0: Hello, ASBs and ADHDers alike. Welcome to a new series called Stories, part of Inside Asperger Studios. Today, I'm joined with Jacqueline Hunt of ASD Life Coach, where we talk about where she is, where she's going, and what she has plans for the future. And also, make make sure to stay tuned to the very end to check out the questions I ask her. And remember, guys, to hit that, hit that bell, subscribe, and like, so you know when I put up new videos. See you on the other side. Hello, Aspies and ADHDers alike. Welcome to a very special new series of Inside Asperger Studios called Stories. I'm joined today with Jacqueline Hunt, someone who is very near and dear to my heart, who has helped me deal with a lot of my issues. Welcome to the show, Jacqueline.
1: Thank you for having me, Reed. This is an honor.
0: Not a problem. Mm-hmm. So, Like I said, this is stories where I let those tell their story. So the stage is all yours.
1: So I guess to give your audience a little background on me, I am a life coach for adults on the autism spectrum and you know talking about my story the reason i i got into this this field is is because of my husband he's on the spectrum and i was studying at the time while we were dating to be a marriage and family therapist and and I love therapy. I always tell people therapy is wonderful. It's 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 it helps so many people. But as I was learning things, I found that that everything I was learning either had no effect or the complete opposite effect on my own relationship. And and it took us a little time to find out that that my husband was on the spectrum. And once once we did, it it really took my career in a whole different direction. And I, I learned everything I could about ASD and, and um, you know, what it meant for adults. Because, Reed, there's so much out there for children these days. You know, children are getting identified. They have so many services. They have um, so many supports in place. And it's still lacking. I, I think they need to do a lot more work in that area. But, but in terms of adults you know, once you turn 23, there's not much out there. there there's not many people out there who, who who work on on life skills, you know, everyday life skills. And so once I started learning and once myself and my husband understood what was going on, we finally started making progress in our relationship and communicating more effectively and and solving problems instead of, of having arguments that would last sometimes for months. <laughs> and, and once we learned how to communicate, I thought to myself, if we're having this problem, how many other people out there are having the same struggles that that go to a therapist and the therapist doesn't know how to help them is giving them advice that that might have the complete opposite effect or, or no effect and, and how frustrating that could be for people. And so I decided to, to, you know, stop studying therapy and and become a life coach. And since nobody else out there was really doing it, I did it myself. And, and I, never going to look back i'm so happy i'm i'm doing this i get to meet amazing people all over the world who come from all walks of life have various talents and abilities and and you know strengths and and weaknesses and and i've been connected with so many amazing people across across the country across the world and and working on life skills social skills you know, being able to, to manage your life, executive functioning, you know, just, just managing your day-to-day life and, and building self-confidence and motivation and and just practical life, life skills. And so that's, that's sort of the short version of how I, I got into this, this business and doing what I do.
0: Very interesting. Um, (laughs) Have you, um, Do you take anything you've learned from yourself and bring it to your clients?
1: Oh, I always tell people, especially couples, parents that reach out to me that they have to do as much changing as their child or spouse or significant other have to do just as much as, as, as my husband has changed over the years. I've changed that much too. I've learned, I've learned to be more direct, I've learned to be more um, accurate in in what I I say and talk about, I've learned never to make assumptions. So many of us make assumptions about people, you know, um, let's say someone is short with us, you know, we want to have a strike up a conversation and they kind of blow us off. And, And I used to make an assumption that that meant, you know, Oh they they didn't want anything to do with me or they're a jerk or or there was something wrong with me that's why they blew me off and and I've learned that there are so many things we can't see you know other people's stories where they came from where they where they you know what went on in their day and and why they act the way they act and so I've learned that you know we, we can never make assumptions. We always have to look at the bigger picture and how many different possibilities are out there in, in terms of why someone reacts or, or says or does something that they do. And so I've really widened my perspective and I try to teach others those types of things. You know, what I've learned. And then sometimes I'm in session, you know, motivating someone or, or telling them, you know, giving advice. And, and then I've realized, oh, I need to walk the walk. I need to do that, too. I need I need to follow the advice I just gave to someone. And so that helps me working with my clients, helps me change and grow. I feel just as much as as they change and grow throughout, you know, the time we work together. So that's that's a big reason why I think it's so so rewarding the work that I do. I think you know, in, in my therapy training, we were taught that you really have to set boundaries in terms of your own personal life with your clients. And that's something I don't agree with. I feel like we need to, you know, in order to teach someone how to have intimate relationships, we need to be able to be just as open and honest as we're getting our clients to be with us so that we can teach them to do that with the rest of the world. And so I make my own rules (laughs) when I coach. Mm -hmm. And and I think that's important because we're here to do real life work, not clinical in a stuffy office work. So, so part of, you know, bringing your own life into it causes you to grow and change as a person too. And, and, you know, I, I feel another reason I understand people on the spectrum is even though I'm not on the spectrum myself, I think growing up, I struggled with a lot of things that, that many of my clients struggle with, you know, I've been through bullying, you know, people have bullied me. I've, I've been through situations where I didn't really understand what was going on and nobody equipped me or, 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 took the time to teach me what was going on and I had to figure it out for myself. And, and I've realized that, that it was, it was difficult for me to learn it on my own and imagine someone on the spectrum who's missing some, some key, you know, cues that that I'm able to recognize, imagine how much more difficult it is for that person. And so it, it, it really, I, I get passionate about it. And I, I try to always put myself in, in someone else's shoes, whether I'm working with them or if it's a stranger on the street, you know, and, and and I always try to keep that in mind in my work.
0: Do you have any good stories you can tell, or any, any stories of like a really good story from one of your clients that like just brightened your day?
1: Oh, there's so many. <laughs> There's so many stories of, of tremendous growth. I can't, I can't use names, of course, but around the same period of time, I was working with three different young men in their, in their late twenties. And all three of them from different parts of the country their, their number one goal was to find a relationship, to find a girlfriend. And all three of them thought it was impossible. And, and they thought it would never happen for them. And they, they'd been through so many failures in the past. And, and they were very depressed. You and I were talking about, you know, depression earlier and, and they were very depressed and in a bad place. And it took, a few years for all three of them, but we 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 started working on the things they were struggling with. We're working on themselves. You know, we're working on the depression. We're working on getting getting fit, getting in better shape, getting their their careers in order, getting them in a place where they could meet potential romantic partners. They were very isolated. We were getting them to step out of their comfort zone. You and I have talked about comfort zones mm-hmm. so many times.
2: Many times. And,
1: and so we weren't directly going on dates we were working on them themselves and and making them more confident and healthy and happy with just themselves and and once they got to that point the relationships just came and and they were successful and they finally got to experience you know what they've been been wanting for so long but they they realized they had to take care of themselves first and now two of them are married wow and one of them is in a serious long-term relationship and and to me that's you know taking the most oh i would say the the, the people who were at their lowest when they came to me and seeing them you know achieve this ultimate thing that they wanted years ago and that they, they were willing to put the work in that they didn't just, you know, stop at, Oh, I'm not going to get it instantly. Let me walk away. I'm going to give up. They actually took the time to put the work in and they found what they were looking for. Once they, once they did things in order, once they did things, you know, you have to find yourself, you have to be in love with yourself before you can find someone to, to have a, a loving mm. relationship with. And once they learned that I was, you know, that to me is, is one of the most rewarding things I've ever experienced and seeing it happen with three people that I started working with about the same time and about the same time, a few years later, they're all achieving what they wanted to achieve. So that, that to mm. me is something I'm very proud of. Um, not not proud of myself, but proud of them. And i proud of myself, too, that I, that I was mm-hmm. part of that and helped them get there.
0: I mean, that's, that's like what I've been telling my friend all along is before you can get into anything, you need to be happy within. Mm-hmm. Because if you're not happy within, any relationship you get into is nothing but a band-aid to hide your unhappiness.
1: Exactly. And a relationship is not meant to save us. No, a relationship is meant to enhance us. A relationship is dessert. You don't need dessert (laughs) to survive, but it's really nice to have.
0: (laughs) I mean, he's been he was in this relationship for five years and all of a sudden his boyfriend split off with him and because he's severe A.D. A.S.D. And he's like, why is it me? I'm like, first of all, don't put the blame on yourself. It's got to be a 50-50. He told you why some of the reasons, but the other reason I told him is because your boyfriend in the beginning n- never took time to say, "Listen, we need to set some boundaries with you and the way you're at. you act. Mm-hmm. You can't depend on me one hundred percent." Yes, and it just burnt to, it burns his boyfriend out to the point where he didn't want that didn't want that anymore.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, he's like, that's that's very common. Read. It's it's very common. Let's say you might not have a lot of friendships, you know, hypothetically, you don't have a lot of friendships. And then finally, someone comes along and gives you attention. Suddenly, you elevate them to best friend. Mm -hmm. And because it's a new relationship, they quickly get overwhelmed. They, They it's too much for one person. And so it's not that they don't like you or want to have a friendship or even a potential relationship with you. It's just, they're overwhelmed. There's too much too soon. You, 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 put too much on that person. And, and I think a lot of people don't understand that. And how can you understand it if no one teaches you that, if no one shows you that and you were, you are doing a good job of of trying to explain that to your friend. And, Mm. and so, so, I always believe in working on yourself first, building a network of friendships first, being in a good place in terms of, you know, at least a path and in, in terms of your career and what you're going to do with your life. And then you look for that relationship when you're already in a good place and, and it helps take things to the next level, enhances your life, makes it even better. And then that way you don't, you don't overwhelm the person. You have your own separate lives, and then your lives together as a couple. That is, is the sign of a very healthy relationship. You don't want a codependent relationship. You, no. don't want, you don't want the other person to save you. You want the other person to enhance you and make you better.
0: Now, have you had any clients who have had ther- severe depression?
1: Oh, many, many, many clients. How do you deal clients. with that? Well, you always have to go slow. You know, I've had a client who was so depressed, you know, he couldn't take a compliment, mm. you know? You have, you have a really nice, you know, really nice haircut today or, um, you know, that shirt looks really nice on you. And he would just say, no, it doesn't. You know, a lot of negative self-talk. And sometimes, sometimes it's persistence. Many people give up if their compliment is rejected, they eventually stop complimenting, but I don't give up. Mm -hmm. I keep, I I stay persistent and I keep it going. And I I always tell the truth, you know? And I think once a client learns that with me, what you see is what you get. What I say is always the truth. I don't give a compliment if it's not real. I I don't say that you're intelligent if it's not true you know, what I say is real. And once, once a client gets to know me well enough to know that I don't steer them in the wrong direction, I, I always tell them the truth, then they start to believe. And then they it's a process. It's a process. Mm-hmm. And, and I think my therapy background really helps me in situations like that when I'm dealing with someone who might be depressed or anxious or or um, struggling with a little bit more than just ASD. and and so persistence and patience and and being understanding, but also, you know being being persistent enough to show the person that what they're depre- depressed about may not actually be the reality. you know, maybe maybe girls are not rejecting you because you think you're ugly. Maybe maybe you're really, good looking and you just feel so bad about yourself. That's what turns them off. So let's work on you. And once you feel better about you, then you'll realize how you, how attractive you are to others. And so Mm -hmm. we often come to the wrong conclusions when we're depressed. And we make assumptions, like I said earlier, no assumptions. Just because a girl won't talk to you doesn't mean you're ugly. Just because a girl won't talk to you doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. We don't know what that girl's story is. And so we have to, we have to learn about ourselves and grow as an individual. And then we could start understanding others. If you understand yourself, it's so much easier to mm-hmm. understand people around you.
0: I mean, like I like I said in the group once. um, The minute you stop caring about what people think of you is the minute you start living your life.
1: Yes, and
0: that holds so true because with my friend, it's like he has to have any. He has to live off of compliments to boost him. I'm like, dude, that's not how you live your life. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You gotta live. You gotta be happy within first. You can't depend on other people to keep complimenting you.
1: Oh yes. And that's a very good lesson, Reed. It's it's called external motivation. A lot of people run on external motivation rather than internal, intrinsic motivation. And, and so someone who runs on that external where they need compliments, they need, they need people to motivate them to do things um, on the outside, eventually they're going to get stuck because there may not be someone there to fuel them. And so a more longer lasting type of fuel is, is lighting that fire of, of motivation within yourself and, and, and learning how to fuel that through, You know, bettering yourself and and working on yourself and being proud of yourself and and not looking for external recognition, but being able to pat yourself on the back. That's not that's not being conceited. That's that's that's, you know, being able to see reality. You know, I did a good job today you know, and, and recognizing that and positive self-talk, you know, a lot of times when I'm working with a depressed client, one of the first assignments I give them is every morning you have to say three positive things about yourself. And every night before you go to bed, you have to say three positive things about yourself. what I
0: tell my friend.
1: Yeah. And, and that's how you start changing your story about yourself and and believing in yourself and starting to light that fire of motivation and 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 redefining yourself and once you start believing it then others will start to see that and and then you you're going to get that external you know motivation but you're not going to run on it it's going to feel good and you're going to continue on but it's not going to be what you, you need to, to keep going. You're going to continue on whether it's there or not. And so I think, I think external praise is, is, should be taken just as seriously as when someone criticizes us. We shouldn't let the criticism hurt us. And we shouldn't let the praise go to our heads either. You know, we should know the reality within ourselves, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, it does. I mean, my friend is always, he always gets down when people sit there and they put him down and say, thing this or that about him. I'm like, dude, you can't let these insults or put you down because you're just going to bury yourself and you're, you're going to hit rock bottom. And then it's harder to crank club to get back up top.
1: Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people are strange. You know, a lot of times people think they're being helpful, but it comes off as an insult. And a lot of times people say things that, you know, they had good intentions, but it just didn't work out. And, and so we can often, especially if we're depressed, misinterpret something that was meant to be helpful, but really wasn't. And it can hurt us even more. And, and so it's, it's, it'll take some time and work, but you're a really good friend and And if you keep pointing out the reality to your friend and and stay persistent that's that's tremendous and and he's lucky to have you as a friend
0: now let's go back to your um your business. How many coaches did you start off with? or was it just you?
1: in the beginning, it was just me you know just like any brand new business or field you start off with one person and one client (laughs) and it builds and builds from there and and you know i have my dad and brother are business owners my husband's a business owner so i had the business sense you know i learned a lot from them and so i i just started building it from the ground up and one client turned into two clients into 20 clients into more clients than I could handle on my own. And I started bringing on coaches one by one. I brought on Rosie, you know, Rosie, Mm -hmm. Rosie, Rosie and I go way back. She's amazing. And, uh, you know, she, she took on a lot. And then I brought on Francesco and the rest of my coaches. I have seven, seven coaches that work for me now. And that's increasing, you know, we're very, very busy. But it's just over time, the the need for what we do is great. You know, so many on the spectrum, not even not diagnosed, who who struggle in the areas that, you know, we focus on, reach out to us. And and the more that the word spreads, the more and more people that reach out to us. And and I love it. I I I really wish that we weren't one of the only groups of coaches that do this. I, I want competition. I want more <laughs> I do. I want more people out there doing what we do across the country, across the world because it's going to make us better coaches if there are people out there doing things better or, or innovating things and and it's also going to eventually get recognized by by the government, by insurance companies, by mm-hmm. people who struggle to afford paying for our services. I want, I want them to see that the need is so great that this is something that should be, you know, funded in some way, whether it's insurance companies or, or or anybody who wants to fund something like this, because the world is becoming more autistic Mm. in New Jersey. I think it's one out of every 30, 34 kids on uh, born are on the, somewhere on the spectrum that's, that's a lot of people. That's, that's in the millions. And, and we need, we need a way to connect everybody.
0: I mean, that's why I say, I mean, no matter where you look, put your hand out either way, you're going to talk to somebody that's got that's like either undiagnosed or diagnosed. I mean, there are more people on probably on the spectrum that aren't on the spectrum.
1: Oh, I would say, you know, the spectrum is a label that neurotypical people invented. And so I love I love that neurodiverse is is the big word nowadays, because mm-hmm. we we could neurodiverse. We're everywhere <laughs> on on a spectrum, all of us. And and my husband says to me that I'm not a neurotypical and some people misinterpret that to mean. That I'm on the spectrum. And and what he means by that is, you know, most people, most neurotypicals don't understand the autistic perspective. And so therefore I'm mm-hmm. different. <laughs> wow. I'm not autistic, but I'm different. And so neurodiverse, I love that.
0: Yeah. I mean, that seems to be the word of choice nowadays because no matter where you look, coaches, therapists, shop owners, everyone mm-hmm. uses the word neurodiverse. Yeah. I mean, it covers everything, really.
1: It covers every. It covers everyone. I could put myself in that. We all could put ourselves in that category, and I love it. I love it. It makes sense. We don't, you know. I labels can help us, you know, figure out where to start. But yeah. nobody has to accept a label unless they want it.
0: I mean, if you listen to my latest podcast. <laughs> The whole conver- the whole beginning of that conversation was on labels mm-hmm. and how those on the spectrum fight it because it's something that lay- puts the labels them as disabled and they mm-hmm. don't like that term.
1: Yeah well I, I don't blame them because uh, you know I don't know your experience growing up breed but but many that come to me, when they had services when they were younger, were often grouped together with people that were lower functioning than they were.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Often grouped with people with with disabilities that that were nothing like them being on the spectrum, and and so they often get this this very bad vibe with that label because they think that's how the world sees them. And so I found that it goes both ways where someone on the spectrum wears their diagnosis like a badge of honor or doesn't want anything to do with the diagnosis. And I and and how we label ourselves is a personal choice. And, and so we can, I just use the label as a way to advertise my services so people on the spectrum can find me. And I use the label as a place to start because there are a lot of commonalities for people on the spectrum that, that we can work on, but the otherwise throw the label out the window and, yeah. and be yourself, be an individual and, 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 you know, focus on your strengths to take them to the fullest potential and work on your continually work on your weaknesses until you, you get to the point where you're, you're happy. So, you know, labels are just that labels, but you aren't, You aren't your label. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. Everyone is like, I mean, one of the big things I'm about is everyone is unique. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh yes. Everyone is unique. They all have their own. Even if you don't know what your talents and abilities are yet, they're there. It's just about discovering them, finding a way to discover them. And that's another good thing about life coaching. When you're stuck, when you don't know what you want to do with your life, you know, a coach can help you brainstorm. You know, sometimes when you're alone with your thoughts, you get stuck Mm -hmm. and you need someone to bounce ideas off of so that you can evolve those thoughts into something tangible and doable and realistic and fun and rewarding. And I think everybody deserves that. And and so that's just another benefit of having a coach, just like a, a coach for an athlete. You know, athletes often have this amazing athletic ability that's intrinsic that, that they were born with but if they want to get to the olympics they don't get there on their own they need a coach they need a mentor they need someone to help see them through their fullest potential and i kind of see ourselves that same way we take already amazing people and we just show them the path so that's that's what we're all about
0: yeah hmm. Now it comes time part for the show, part of the show, where I ask you a bunch of questions.
1: All right, I'm right. ready. I'm ready.
0: What is your favorite word?
1: My favorite word? That's an interesting question. <laughs> Ooh, let me think. Nothing pops into my head instantly. Ooh. Feather.
0: What is your least favorite word? Ooh. Mm.
2: Least favorite word.
1: I hate the word disgusting.
0: Okay. <laughs> what turns you on creatively, spiritually, and emotionally? Or emotionally?
1: Ooh, people. People turn me on in all those ways. They, they motivate me and inspire me. And and even when I'm trying to do the inspiring, they, they somehow turn it back on me and, and get me motivated to do more of myself.
0: What turns you off?
1: Ooh, ignorance.
0: What is your favorite cuss word?
1: my favorite cuss word i'm not a big cusser i'm not a big cusser but <laughs> i don't know i i it's funny because i always feel like i enjoy comedians that that don't have to drop f bombs constantly mm-hmm. i enjoy you know i enjoy more clever ways of communicating so i'm not big on 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 throwing it out there left and right like some people do but it's it's more how it's said so when you got a good (laughs) f-bomb when no one expects it it's Mm -hmm. so much more powerful so someone like me who doesn't talk like that much if i drop one (laughs) You know, I mean it, you know, it has that much more impact. So, so that's a good one when you want to make an impact.
0: What, no, what sound or noise do you love?
1: Ooh, I love the, the sound of the ocean.
0: What sound or noise do you hate?
1: Hmm. Any type of, you know, that nails on chalkboard type of screech is all
0: right what is your favorite color green what is your least favorite color
1: Hmm. I would say orange
0: what profession other than your own would you like to attempt
1: growing up I played the clarinet when I was in band in school and and unfortunately, when I went to high school, there was no band. And I always regret not continuing with my music because I always could picture myself in like a pit band at a Broadway show or or in an orchestra or something like that.
0: What profession would you not like to do?
1: I would not like to be anything to do with math. I would not want to be a math professor, that's for sure.
0: (laughs) If heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates?
1: Hmm.
2: That's, you got deep ones. You got deep questions here.
1: I, I would like God to say, you did good.
0: And lastly, <laughs> when you arrive at heaven, who would you like to meet? And what would you ask them and why?
1: Oh, the first first person I would want to meet would be, not meet, I've already met him, but I would love to see my grandfather and, and you know, ask him what he's been up to all these years.
0: And that's it.
1: Oh, wow.
0: Thank you so much for being my inaugural guest, Jacqueline.
1: Oh, Reed, thank you so much. It was an honor to be here. I'm so happy we finally got to do this. It was so much fun. Thank you.
0: You're welcome.